What's up, guys, and welcome back to Beyond the Void Horror Podcast. That's right. We got uh, somebody new in the studio here for episode 115, and that is Brandon from Red On You Podcast and also on Twitch. He does Twitch streaming as well. It's Red On Brandon. Welcome, man. Welcome on the show, dude. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I've dude, been wanting been... to be on this show for a while. Yeah, we've been planning to do it at some point. I was I was planning before you even knew, I think. <laughs> So, but I'm glad you said yes. Oh, yeah, for sure. (laughs) And by the way, guys, for those of you who are wondering where Brittany is, she will be back. She's taking a small break here. She'll be back on the 29th. Uh, She's had a lot of work to do and she's running too much work. So she's trying to do the best she can. So, but she will be back. So don't worry. She's fired. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. (laughs) It's all right. Everyone calm down. (laughs) But uh, if you guys don't know, Brandon does do Red On You podcasts, and uh, he's a big fan of horror. He's also done another podcast. Why don't you tell us about some of the stuff you do, man? Uh, I was doing one called Basement Condition, which was more nerdy stuff like comics and video games, but that one's over. The Red On You podcast, I review movies that I choose at random from what I call the Almighty Master List, which is basically a shoebox full of pieces of paper with movies on them. And there's probably over 1,500 in there now. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. I If I'm bored at work or I just don't feel like doing the work there, I... Uh, I'll just go on my phone. Like if I'm listening to one of your episodes when you were talking about, I want, I think zombie, or yeah. zombie too. I was like, oh, Italian horror. I didn't even think of that. And I just started looking up all the Italian horror movies and writing those down. I had a stack like a hundred movies. It's like, all right, those going in the list. <laughs> See, that's why I did this is because I wanted to try to do as many movies as I, I wanted to watch movies and talk about movies I love, but I also find out new movies that I hadn't seen. So, exactly. Yeah. Well, that's why I made the Almighty Master List because I, I kept picking movies that I liked. And although it's fun to talk about movies that I like, I also like ripping on movies just as much. And I was always finding it hard to really find a music uh, movie to watch. So I was just like, okay, well, if I just randomly pick them and I have to watch it, then <laughs> I don't I don't have to worry about it. I'm good to go. And honestly, there's so many movies in the 80s that I have not seen. And I'm a huge fan of the 80s. And I still... To this day, I'm watching movies from the 80s. I don't know if I'm ever going to run out. <laughs> Probably not. Because that's what that's like the first decade when movies just really started spewing out. Yeah, they had the, the balls to make shit. Yeah, it was very, very experimental in the 80s. They were just throwing anything at the wall. Right. I love the 80s. 
So, so good for movies. So in your master list, you pull you you do an episode where you basically show this list as well. Why don't you explain that to them? Yeah, so once a month we do a coming attractions episode where we start off by doing a retrospective of the movies we did the previous month and we'll read off any input from listeners that we've gotten through social media and then we will talk about movies coming to theaters that month and if we're interested in any of them. I've also introduced movie news because that's what I used to do on Basement Condition and I still want to do it so I figured it would fit here. Perfectly. And exactly, right? And then finally, I do the Almighty Master List where I choose a movie for each week of the following month just at random. And it, it's any genre. There's drama, thriller, uh, horror, action, sci fi, fantasy, anything. That's awesome. Yeah. See, sometimes I want to go, like, I really admired Basement Condition for that because you guys would do, like, such, like, classic, like, geek culture stuff that I want to do, but because I got horror attached to it, I can't. So it was kind of like, ah, uh, you know, some, sometimes yeah. we fudge it a little and we're like, well, it's kind of horror. It's appealing to people in horror. Most horror fans like it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, guys, just so you guys know who are listening now, we are going to be talking about two movies from the 90s, uh, early 90s, one from 1990 and one from 1991. We decided to we were going to do Suspiria, the new Suspiria remake. But I've seen so many divisive things. I really kind of wanted to, like, give it some time a little bit and then do it because I don't think there's any rush for it, you know. So um, but we will do that later on. But today we're going to be talking about the Willies and the Boneyard. And these are some creature feature films, I would assume, pretty much. Well, do you assume? I would assume you watch them, so you should know for I don't sure. Know. I, I thought you were going to watch them for me, so... Am I supposed I, to work? I really watched them myself. I was trying to stay <laughs> awake through the willies. You're supposed to pick up my slack, dude. <laughs> Damn it. Sorry. Amateur. Amateur. I kind of wonder if Brittany's going to be jealous of the, the willies, though, because I believe that's one of the movies that she is fond of uh, because she grew up in the 90s, so... I think, I think, yeah, she might actually be like, oh, I like that movie. <laughs> so, but guys, I think it might be that time. So, as we told you, we're going to be watching some of the 90s, early 90s movies, and we decided to pick one of the movies. Both of these movies have stuff in it that I think you could have made a drink for either or and some of the weirdest fucking names <laughs> like oh yeah like one was Miss Titsmarsh <laughs> was Titmarsh is that what is that even a real name like I hope not <laughs> there was Miss Titmarsh and then there was Miss Poopenplatz <laughs> which was in Miss Poopenplatz was in the boneyard and that was played by Phyllis Diller and in the movie, she's like, she's the head of the, she's like the person that takes care of the coroner's office that everybody has to go through and sign in and all this other shit. In the she movie. She's the night shift. Yeah, she's the night shift, crazy, wild-haired lady. Uh, she was a comedian back in the day, but we'll get into that when we get into the movie. Uh, but we decided to pick it since she was running the coroner's office. This will be called a Poopin' Platz, uh, <laughs> which is a delicious drink you're going to want to put in your mouth. Uh, or all over your body and uh, <laughs> I'm not going to go there. Um why not? <laughs> Cuz we do too many dick jokes in this show. But if you guys would like to know what's in this poop and plats, which is sounding the very most delicious sounding drink you'll ever hear. Uh it is a fruity drink and you're going to put in basically make it's made for two shots. 
you put in an ounce of vodka, you put an ounce of melon liqueur, and then you add a splash of lemon lime soda. When you're about to drink it, you will rip a piece of flesh off of some zombie face or head, put it in your mouth, and then take the shot. And choke on it. Yeah, and make the weirdest sounds that I think I've ever heard somebody make in a fucking in a movie. Like, sounded like a baby deer getting crushed. <laughs> like, over and over. But if you would like to try a Poopin' Platts and put that in your mouth, all you have to do is go to longlivethevoid.com and check out our hashtag horror shot section now. That's it for horror shots. Now we're going to go ahead and jump into something I like to call the fucking news. Here is the fucking news. So we got a few things in the news um, that I picked that, you know, it was kind of a slow news week for the most part, but there's some interesting things I thought we could talk about. One of the first things that I found in the news was that the Satanic Temple has filed a $50 million lawsuit against Netflix over the show Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. So I actually have some friends that are part of of TST, which is the Satanic Temple, and they actually uh, gave me some sort of insight on it. But there is basically what what most people would think is like, oh, they're at it again, you know, trying to make some weird headlines or something like that. Um, but it actually turned out that it was something kind of typical and normal and totally makes sense. Uh, but what it was is that basically in the chilling adventures of Sabrina, they used the Baphomet statue that the Satanic temple has made and used specifically for their own you know using to kind of express what they call duality and it's a it's a it's a recreation of baphomet but with children and also no breasts so it's 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 not the same as baphomet it has a lot of different unique things to it but netflix went ahead and i don't know if it's netflix per se but they basically used it in the show to say that it was like about like evil which is not what the Satanic Temple is necessarily about. I could go into an hour-long story about the differences between it, but it's not the same as the Church of Satan versus the Satanic Temple, so it's a very different thing. So one of the heads of that uh, actually wrote about this. They said they were taking legal action regarding the chilling adventures of Sabrina, appropriating our copyrighted monument design to promote their asinine satanic panic fiction, as he said. The co-founder, Lucian Greaves, had uh, tweeted, said, I'm amazed that anybody is confused as to why we would seek legal remedy over Sabrina using our monument. Would they be as understanding of a fictional show that used a real mosque at the headquarters of a terrorist cell? A fictional blood libel tale implicating real-world Jews? Um, <laughs> it makes sense. I totally understand it. And I was trying to explain it to uh, Christina here because she was like kind of confused on it, too. Of all the people in the industry that know about copyright the most, I would assume that it would be the film and television, right? You would assume. I would assume. <laughs> like, I guess, we, I guess we shouldn't assume. <laughs> You would think that they would know not to use. That's why you never see like McDonald's and uh, all these other different companies. They always like rename it. Well, especially since they're depicting it in a completely different way. I think that's the biggest issue, too. Right. It's a specific design that they created to express their their point. So, yeah. but, and it's not even being used to express that point in the show. It's being used for something else, and it's being changed and 
Yeah, I can see where they're coming from. I have, I a hundred percent understand and agree. I understand that it's, you know, I mean, I've honestly, 50 million seems like a lot. Um, but anything else that would have a design or anything like that, they could sue. You can't just, you can't just use other people's art. And of, yeah. all, of all the people that create art and Sabrina being creative enough to create something, they could have tried to come up with their own version is what his, what Lucian feels. Uh, it says that this case represents, among other things, a textbook example of the Hornbook explanation of copyright protection that copyright law protects unique expressions, but not the ideas themselves. Uh, the, the lawyer, Bruce Letterman, said on behalf of the temple and a complaint filed in federal court this morning. Uh, this was on Thursday of last week for you guys listening now. Where do you guys feel on this situation? Do you think it's ridiculous to go after it? I don't see anything wrong with it personally, but I'd be glad to hear your side of things. What do you think, Brandon? And I don't think they would have to take it as far as they are, but I see where they're coming from, mm-hmm. especially as like their own religion and everything. I'm Maybe sure. if it was depicted in the same way as they represent it in their temple. If you guys are interested, I would highly encourage you to d- look up the differences online. I, I don't want to go over the whole goddamn thing right now. So. <laughs> no, that that would be a whole bonus episode, like five-parter. There's way better people that could speak on it than I. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Uh, but in other news, there is some good news for those who are fans of the Purge television series. They're actually going to be extending it on USA for a second season. I've not been interested in the very least in the show. Yeah, have you given it a chance yet? No, I haven't. Yeah, I'm not saying that I. I. it's bad. I have no idea. But I was not thrilled with the trailer that I got to see. It felt like a knockoff version of the movies. But yeah, the trailer didn't get me excited at all. But I'm and kinda, I, I don't want them to overdo it. I don't want them to Star Wars up all these franchises and shove too much of it in our face where it gets to the point where when movies come out, it's just like, eh. well, I think one of the main things that pushes the, the story in general is is kind of like the mayhem. And the gore. So because everyone wants to know the story behind the story now. Why? What happens when there's no purge? Why did it start? Why did it do this? It's right. like the Halloween series. Why does Michael Duty does? We're not supposed to know. Just leave it up to your imagination. Well, and to be fair, I have heard people who I you know have a little bit of re- you know respect for as far as like their interests and stuff, and like agree with them on a lot of things. They say it's good, so I'm willing to give it a shot. Are you guys? I'll watch it. Are you excited about it? I mean, I mean, obviously, if they gave it a second season, it could be like, hey, we'll just give it another run, see how it goes. Maybe we could push this a little harder, uh, and it's not that good, or maybe it's really good, and we just haven't given it a shot yet. So. Yeah, I'm definitely going to check it out at some point because I did hear the same thing. A lot of people started saying it was actually pretty good. They're saying here, it says, USA Network is so proud to be the television home for the iconic franchise, The Purge. Chris McCumber, president of the Entertainment Networks for NBC Universal Cable Entertainment, said in a statement, uh, the partnership and creative trust of Jason Blum and everyone at Blumhouse Television and Universal Pictures ensured The Purge's successful transition from film to TV and along the Universal Cable Productions we look to forward to digging even deeper into the mythology in season two. So so are they not doing movies anymore? Or are they still going to be doing Purge movies? I think they wanted to get that Golden Goose money from the uh, from the TV series because they wanted to get on that Walking Dead kind of thing, you know, sort of. Yeah, and they probably just saw more opportunity to have a, a more grander story. Yeah, there's way more advertising dollars that you can make off of uh, a TV series than you can uh, a movie. Yeah, so. I'll definitely give the show a shot. Yeah. 
Also in the news, this isn't exactly horror news, guys, but if you are fans of Joe Dante, then you probably know the movie The Explorers. And uh, it looks like there's a script that's being uh, a pilot script for a TV series based on Joe Dante's The Explorers. So apparently, and this is the story, right after directing Gremlins, Joe Dante turned his attention to this movie, The Explorers. It's a sci-fi film that was released in 1985. It has River Phoenix, Ethan Hawke, um, and they have a bunch of, like, space buddies that they meet up in space. These kids, like, design this, like, cool little fucking... They find this, like, technology and then tap into it, and then they build a bubble that they can travel into space at, like, light speed, and they end up on a ship where other kids help them to get there, but they're aliens. So it's it's really interesting movie. It was a fan... I was a fan of it as a kid, but uh, Carrie Fuku... Fukunga, who is from True Detective and David Lowry, a ghost story, are teaming up to write the pilot for the Paramount Television series. So they're probably going to try it out, see if anybody wants to fund it. And if it's good enough, they'll have a whole season of it, probably six episodes. So but they're writing the script and one of the and, and one of them will direct the pilot should it get to that. Are you guys excited about that? Have you seen it? I don't think so. It, yeah. uh, it sounds fantastic. It's pretty fun, <laughs> dude. It's a uh, it's kind of like the flight of the navigator. Sold. And uh something else. Like it's got that same feel to it and the the aliens are pretty out there. It's kind of silly, but it's got a lot of charm for an 80s movies. It's one of those 80s kids movies that I grew up with, so it's a well, I bit- love Flight of the Navigator. So if it's anything like that, then <laughs> You'll definitely, I think you'll appreciate it. Also in the news, guys, we have Joe Bob Briggs back to Shudder for Thanksgiving night. So for those of you who got to see the last time he was on, it was a huge success. And I think Joe Bob Briggs got the the bug again to start doing this again. I think he's going to be doing it pretty much every year, I bet. If this one's successful, um, they're going to hire him to come back and do it again again. I personally didn't get a chance to check it out because it's holidays are like family time. So I don't get the <laughs> I don't get to watch him like that. 24 hours, you know, <laughs> Is it just put up for a day? Um, yeah, they did. Basically, they'll bring back. They're going to be bringing back iconic horror host Joe Bob Briggs for Thanksgiving and Christmas specials to be titled "The Dinners of Death." And a very Joe Bob Christmas. So the the Dinners of Death will be airing Thanksgiving night, November 22nd at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard. And it will feature four movies hosted by Joe Bob, including Joe Bob's personal all-time favorite. Uh, the movies that they're going to be... It's going to be tied to the theme of Deadly Dinners, so... So wait, Shudder, isn't that a streaming app? Yes. Yeah, because I just got it, but this is actually on at a certain time? Yeah, they do it live. They did it live last time. They had some troubles with it, but they had they did the show anyway, and then you could rewatch some of it. I believe it was like a... I don't know if it was 24 hours. I believe it was like 12. I didn't get to okay. check it out like everybody else did, but... Um, but yeah, it's going to be on Thanksgiving. So if you guys got some time, you should definitely check it out. The, I think it's worth $5 a month. I, I really, oh, for sure. I, and they have like even shorts and all kinds of stuff on there. And no, we're not getting paid by them. Although it would be really nice, Shudder. You know? Yeah, it does definitely sound like we're just <laughs> milk, milk, milk and Shudder right yeah. now. Everyone just so get anyways, under that teeth. <laughs> <laughs> and in the last bit of news for you guys, the Duffer Brothers are talking about the Stranger Things season three influences, which they say Cronenberg, Romero, and The Thing. So, Ooh. which I 
am a little skeptical about, <laughs> but I can, you know, when you get influenced by it, I guess it's not a horrible thing, but. Well, it just sounds like they're going complete opposite of season two because season two is just a shadow monster. Right. And then when you think of those influences, it's like, no, that's the complete opposite. We're going to see some like scary monster shit this season. I have a feeling that there's going to be. And uh, for those of you who haven't seen the seasons, you might want to earmuffs for a second. But I, it's not really spoiling it. I just feel like there's going to be these like holes all over the place instead of just one place. Oh, I mean, they kind of have that, but I feel like they're just going to spill out and it's going to be this action movie. But they're saying there are horror movies and horror masters that we haven't really paid tribute to as much in previous seasons that we are definitely going to get into this season, which means Cronenberg, Romero and The Thing, which means this is going to be a fleshy thing, I hope. So fingers crossed. Yeah, I'm kind of curious to see what it is. I wasn't overly impressed with season two, um, but I thought in a way, in some ways it was, I don't remember if I thought, I thought the first one was better than the second one, I think. I completely agree, but I still really enjoyed season two. Oh, I did. It's, it's like an eight, you know what I mean? It's like, it's, it's like arguing over whether a good movie is a great movie kind of thing or something. There's a lot, a lot of people don't like the cheap nostalgic punches that they throw in these because it kind of doesn't have its own identity. And I, I get that because like for me that's kind of how halloween was in a way the new halloween movie oh yeah they laid that on thick yeah i mean thicker than i expected they would yeah at least it does have its own identity i'm just saying when you when you when you kind of go for those cheap grabs a lot of people will kind of be like hey why are you doing that (laughs) yeah and other people are like yes i'm back to eight years old so i don't know are you yeah, because ex- they kind of stepped out of the horror genre for a, a, some of the influences, and I think that didn't make some people happy. Are you guys excited for it? Are you excited for it? Would you watch it? Yes, I would. <laughs> and that's all that matters, guys. And it's on Netflix, so you got no reason not to. You got to fucking subscribe to that shit anyway, so... Now we're going to go ahead and jump into our flesh and potatoes of the willies. Ooh. And the boneyard. These sound like dick movies, by the way. <laughs> there you go. Bringing it. up the dick again. <laughs> I got to get it in there. You got mad at me. Why, why are you allowed to do it? <laughs> anyway, guys, let's go ahead and jump into that right now. Okay, guys. So we're gonna we're gonna kick it off with uh, mine first, um, just so we don't throw fucking Brandon into the fucking deep end here. Um, you've got it. We, we're expecting a lot from you, Brandon. So Brittany's listening. <laughs> well, I've been on other podcasts where they've been like overly surprised at how much information. I almost <laughs> felt like I was taking over their podcast. <laughs> Oh, boy. So buckle the fuck up, guys. Here we go. Just kidding. <laughs> Although I will warn you, there was not much information on, like, the production or anything for the Willies. Yeah. But there was a few things, but we'll get there. So we're going to kick it off with The Boneyard, which came out in 1991. It uh, was actually made in late 89. Story is children turned into zombies wreak havoc in a coroner's building with just a burned out psychic an experienced cop and two coroners to stop the madness sounds fun huh 
Hell um, yeah. <laughs> and I'll uh, tell you right now, I got questions. <laughs> I think a lot of kids did too. Um, <laughs> but uh, the director, writer, and creature concept designer was James Cummins. He only has three director and writer credits. One of them is Dark 30, Harbinger. And this one, of course, which he also wrote. But he has done a lot of special effects for movies like Strange Invaders, Deadly Nightmares, Enemy Mine, Alien Predator, which is also known as Falling Skies. He also did creature design or sculpting for House and Jaws 3D. Oh, damn. Yeah. So he's had a breadth of talent uh, that he's been working with. And that's just to name a few. Some of the stars in this movie are Ed Nelson, who plays Jersey Callum, the detective. And uh, he was in Police Academy 3, Jackie Chan's Who Am I? Also, he's no stranger to the horror movies, as he was in older movies like The Brain Eaters, Night of the Blood Beast. He was in the 1960s TV show, several episodes called Thriller. He was in some Twilight Zone. Plus, he was in shows like Rawhide and many Westerns. Also stars Deborah Rose, who is the, she plays Allie Oates, who's the psychic. Uh, she was in American Drive-In and Ski Patrol. And that's pretty much it. I was going to say, I didn't recognize her from anything. I recognized her, but... I was surprised that she wasn't in anything. I felt like I, I was familiar, but I've seen this movie many times before. So, uh, Also, it stars Norman Fell. He plays Shepard, the morgue tech. He's best known for Three's Company as the landlord that took over Don Knotts, Mr. Furley's role, which he was called Mr. Roper afterwards. He had a ton of roles on TV for decades. Like He has almost as old uh, credits as Ed Nelson. He was in a lot of single episodes on TV here and there, so he's been in pretty much everything. Uh, he was also in Transylvania 6, 5000, and he was in a lot of episodes of Murder, She Wrote, plus Chud 2, Bud the Chud. So. Bud the Chud. Bud the Chud. <laughs> I'm a walking, I'm a talking. <laughs> I don't know why, that song always gets in my head. It was like, a, it was kind of like a fucking Danny Elfman Sort of oh, yeah, want to be track, that. you know what I mean? Weird science. <laughs> yeah, kind of just reminding me of that for some reason. I can uh, see it. I see it. Uh, also in the movie is famous comedian Phyllis Diller, who is no longer with us, of course. Uh, Miss, She played Miss Poopenplatz, who we made a shot for. So cheers to you, Phyllis. Poop. She was uh, one of the first female comedians who was pushed to do comedy because her husband thought she was fucking hilarious. And she's not wrong. I watched the interview with her in this fucking movie. Uh, and holy shit, she's fucking, she was hilarious. Like, I don't know. She just makes you want to laugh. I don't know what it is. She. Uh, I can see it. She played uh, the grandma in uh, Titus. She was also in an episode of Tales of the Dark Side, Silence of the Hams movie. Uh, she was also in, she was the queen's voice in A Bug's Life, but she's done a lot of stand-up and a lot of like TV stuff, so. Um, Titus, that's that's a show I haven't thought about in years. Forever, right? Yeah, that was kind of popular for a little while. It was like an un underground hit, I guess. Yeah, it came, it, it left just as soon as it came, though. I think it was couple seasons but that was a funny show yeah also it stars denise young who plays dana and she was in only one film and one episode of a tv show called slavery in the making of america also the makeup by the, for this movie was done by bill corso who he did episodes of monsters he was in he did work on innocent blood freaked the stand brain scan batman and robin 
Robin, did I say rob him? Yeah, I think <laughs> you said rob him. <laughs> House on Haunted Hill remake. Well, I guess they did kind of rob the public of their money for that. That's song. true. Touche. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, he was he did some work on House on Haunted Hill remake, Galaxy Quest. He did Kick-Ass 2, Star Wars, The Force Awakens, Deadpool 1 and 2, Blade Runner 2049, and many more. So he definitely upped his uh, ante from the boneyard, let me tell you. (laughs) (laughs) This movie was made in about almost about $950,000, close to a million back in, you know, 1889. So what are your thoughts on this, Brandon? Did you love this movie or did you hate it? Like, what's up? It it should not have been a movie in my, it felt like a made for TV movie or like, (laughs) I don't know. It was just it was just below cheesy enough. I did enjoy it. Yeah. When it comes down to it, I did enjoy it. There were some things in in during the movie that I didn't quite understand, but I got past it. It got <laughs> it takes some right turns near the end. Yeah, I definitely wouldn't disagree with you. <laughs> like, wow, I was I was uh I was not expecting some of the stuff to happen. So it was fun. Yeah. Uh, it's definitely not a horror movie. If you're looking for a movie to be scared of, don't no. If you want something for fun, oh yeah, yeah, definitely watch this movie. Yeah, this one's kind of one of those mostly forgotten creature films that was made. You know, just like I said at the tail end of the '80s, and uh, you know, it's part bad acting, part fun, part creature practical effects that are ridiculous. You know, it's a bit a bit cliche in the story and. It kind of feels like other more better films than it was. And, but, but yeah, I don't know. There's something about it. It has some weird charm. Like you're saying, it's like, it's not a great movie, but it's one of those ones that you, it's memorable. You know, it, it's kind of like trying to explain the made for TV it. Right. Okay. It's not that great, <laughs> I but I love agree. it, but I love it. Right. But there's, you, you just know in the back of your mind, like, no, it's not that good. Like Tim Curry's good, but a lot of the acting and stuff is pretty bad, <laughs> but I love it. Yeah. It is kind of that made for TV kind of feel. You're right. That's like a uh, pretty spot on. So I think if you could appreciate like superior eighties made for TV cheese, then you'll probably be cool with it. Oh yeah. <laughs> and some of the creature design is pretty creepy. Yeah, there's some... some of it's over the top and just like he 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 he. Oh my god. The beginning was slow as fuck and it just felt like it dragged forever. But you know yeah, and I think some of it didn't even really need to be there. Yeah, it was I don't know something about the character Allie that Deborah played, uh just so overdone, like her just like it was just way too long. You know what I mean? Like felt forced that was the psychic right yeah yeah when it comes down to it does she really do anything (laughs) you know that's a really good point uh i think she was just kind of thrown into the situation because everything she predicts or whatever is happening before she even tells anyone anyway so she she, doesn't i mean we can't spoil it but she does save everybody at the end that's well yeah they do make her the protagonist right but the cop could have been i like the old cop i wish he had more of some sort of a showdown with someone yeah, um, Ed Nelson's character, Jersey. I love him because he was just your typical, like, 80s, almost more of a 70s cop. Yeah, kind of. He, he was a good character. He was fun. Yeah. There was supposed and, to be this really strong camaraderie between the psychic and him. And I and I, I didn't know if they were going to fuck or they were just friends or, like, like yeah, I got that family. Too. It, was it was really weird and ambiguous kind of, like, relation. Like, I couldn't figure it out. Because even at the beginning, the way he talks about her, it almost sounds like he did work with her at one point. But at the same time, when he talks about her, it sounds like he's heard about the work she's done. Right. But then 
all of a sudden, halfway through the movie, they're like really, really close and like hugging each other and like almost like family, like you said. And it was just like, where, where'd that come from? Where'd that relationship build? Well, there was one scene where they almost kiss. And it's like, I don't know if they were trying to kiss or they psych out the fucking viewer. Like, it was yeah. confusing. I was like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> but, you know, I mean, it, 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 the movie, after it gets through some of the stupid shit, for the most part, you know, like the lovey-dovey, like, why, I'm the tortured psychic and I'm the, the you know, the stubborn, obsessive uh, <laughs> police officer trying to get this investigation done because of kids. And, uh, you know, but it's it, once you get there, you see these, like, pretty decent ghouls they've got giant creatures uh some of the actors even laugh at this shit uh which kind of like lets you know that the movie's not very serious um i think it, that like, was funny that was fucking hilarious <laughs> i laughed because it was way over the top but i think it, i think because of some of the stuff that they put in this movie it's not a perfect movie but it's it's just above average in my opinion for the fact that it, it is it can it is memorable in some regard whether it's like a fluid well put together well paced movie or not it, the acting's all over the fucking place so <laughs> like it's really weird pacing but there's some funny tidbits in there that make it worthwhile to me i completely agree it's very enjoyable if you like that cheese if you like that cheese spread on your movies nicely, <laughs> then yeah, you'll enjoy it. This is where we start to get in some of the spoiler territory. So if you don't want it ruined, I don't think it's going to ruin anything for you. But if you don't want anything, you might want to wait and fast forward to the next movie. Uh, but The Boneyard was filmed in Statesville, North Carolina. So for all our listeners in North Carolina, it was uh, shot between December of 1989 for about five and a half weeks. So from November to December, um, hmm. it was, yeah, really short time. And it was actually supposed to be in three weeks, but it went over two weeks. Does it say why <laughs> it went over two weeks or it was just scheduling or something, I guess? Well, he was saying that the, the director, James Cummins, was a little slow and uh, some of the actors were trying to be methodical and, you know, like it just it just dragged on. Like Phyllis Diller was only supposed to be there for like one week and she ended up being there for two there was a couple of things that ran ran the project longer than it should have. So, but this is one of the first times, by the way, that Phyllis Diller had used her own hair. She's notorious for wearing these like extravagant wigs. Um, you know, and she even makes a joke about it at one point. I'm pretty sure. Oh yeah, she was talking Something about it being short. Like, there's a whole story on it, but basically, um, she used to wear like all these like crazy like sunglasses and you know just to stand out because she was explaining that when she started up in comedy it was a man's world you know what I mean and like in order for her to stand out she didn't want to use props but she did use props anyway to give her a little bit of an edge because a lot of guys didn't want to take her seriously until they hurt her mm -hmm. so but she said that uh, they wanted to make her look as bad as possible so when she actually went to meet the director. She kind of wanted to feel him out or something like that. And she put on these outfits and she was like, here, try this outfit. What do you think? Is this, is this Poopin' Platts? And he's like, no, I don't think that's the one. She comes down for another one. She's like, is this Poopin' Platts? It was all fancy. And he was like, Oof. no, definitely not the one. And then he said she came down in this other one and, uh, and it was kind of a little raggedy kind of look and she had a beehive on and uh, a fake wig beehive. <laughs> And she she leaned over and her wig fell off and it would be had been the first time that you know she didn't really no one really seen her without one so 
he was like, that's her. And so when he Poopin saw Platts, her, yeah, Poopin Platts. Yeah, that's Poopin Platts. And he was, she was like, really? And she laughed. Is that and, poop again? Yeah. She said, that's the one. All right, I'll do it. So she decided to do it. So. Nice. So it's her, the debut of her real hair. I know. Right. Like, I mean, and it's funny too, hearing her talk about the character too, because she was like, she was like, yeah, her character was like a real spinster. She was a sweet old bitch. they have this huge laugh it was just infectious as fuck when i listened to it i was laughing my ass off um that was a great character she was hilarious yeah i think i think if it she would have given more time and she could have been a better character i i don't know the movie is a little all over the place so it 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 shined lights on characters that didn't matter (laughs) things that i don't know it's just really weird relationships Uh, were happening oh my god jesus christ the weirdest fucking relationships happened in this movie, guys. And notice, relationships. Yes. More than one. Numerous. Multiple. Well, we think. We don't know. Well, it's we know one for sure. Ambivalent or whatever the fuck. You can't tell. Um, <laughs> but the place they shot was an old hospital. It had uh, been run down for 25 fucking years. Uh, and then they turned it into an old folks home, I guess, like at some point before that. I don't even know. But they went to a run down damaged fucking building that smelled like wet shit and uh they said it was really weird to shoot in there uh yeah and you could tell because like when they're walking down the hallway in the basement you can see like the walls all fucked up i noticed it (laughs) well this was my first time watching it so i didn't know that now i'm gonna need to watch it again yeah i noticed it on the wall i was like i I always think about stuff like that like where are they shooting i wonder where they found this um one of the ghouls in the movie was an eight-year-old played by sally middleton it was like one of her first roles as she did. She was in the beginning uh, as one of the little girls that walked up to the psychic in her one of her visions. She was also oh, right. She was also in this like red garb that they were doing some ritual in another vision. And okay, it was the same girl in that. Same girl, but it was supposed to be a boy in there. Okay, I was gonna say I thought I thought that was a little boy. Okay. Yeah, it was supposed to be, but yeah, she was a little girl in real life. And then and that's she, what I have a question about when we get there. Yeah, and then that character that they bring back to life and turns into that fucked up fucking dead kid ghoul at the end. Uh, she was the one hanging upside down and like jumping all over the place and shit so she was one of those kids and they did like a full body cast for it too and they said that they couldn't get other people to do it any other the other younger kids or ballet actresses that they had um for those kids to do it because like everybody was like claustrophobic as fuck about it and they freaked out about it and they put their hands on it and shit so but he said the director said never was a problem with her. She took direction really well. She was like really fucking good to work with. So they showed her. Yeah, some of those scenes were pretty sweet. I, I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah, I could tell like now that it's in 1080p, you can tell that the bodysuits. A lot of people thought that people were just naked kids, you know, yeah. <laughs> and like that's pretty controversial considering she was nine years old. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So but they were she was in a full body suit. Uh, so they wanted to clarify that by seeing it in 1080p. You can kind of tell anyway. And they did add body parts to the fake suit that they put on there, like fake body parts to make it, mm-hmm. you know, look kind of 
fucked up. There is one scene, though, though, where the kids are on the slabs and Mr. Roper, basically, <laughs> uh, Norman Fell, the uh, morgue tech guy, he was like talking to the, the detective and the fucking psychic through the TV and they were all laying there with a uh, large amount of paint on them. Okay, yeah, yeah. So they were technically nude there, but not in the sense that, you know, they were completely covered. So Yeah, and he only, he doesn't uncover them all the way anyway, it's just their chests. Right. Well, for a girl, I would assume that's kind of controversial, but yeah. they. Well, no, and that, I'm just saying if she's painted up oh, yeah. and whatnot. Yeah, I think uh, her mom even had mentioned, uh, she'd mentioned that her mom said that if you were one year younger, you wouldn't have done that scene. Hmm. Or one year older, I mean. Uh, also, Ed Nelson, who played Jersey Callum, was on the set. And a local newspaper journalist came by to do an interview with him. And she walked right up to him and didn't realize it was him. And he said, she said, oh, well, I'm here to interview Ed Nelson. And he was like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's him right there. And she, he pointed to the boom operator. <laughs> and so Phyllis Diller was there, too. And she was like, oh, yeah, that's him right there. Just right over there. Just go ask him. So the boom operator literally did a 30 minute interview that went into the newspaper as Ed Nelson. That's incredible. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. I was like, oh, my God, these guys are jokesters. Greatest piece of movie trivia I've ever heard. <laughs> 30 minutes they did an interview together. That's crazy. Um, <sighs> also, uh, instead of uh, Ed Nelson playing Jersey, it was supposed to be Clue Gallagher, who uh, was going to be oh. playing the same character. Uh, but he had some sort of uh, health problems, I guess, and had to pull out. So Clue's agent actually suggested Ed Nelson because they were friends. So he was able to slip in and took it right over. So Nice. Speaking of another person who was supposed to be in the movie, Alice Cooper was looked at to be the morgue technician. But I can see that. Yeah. I think that would have been fun. But his agency was not working with them, I guess. And the people, his managers or something, they were giving them a runaround, they said. So they found Norman Fell and he just took over everything. So but, that would have yeah. been fun if it was Alice Cooper. I think it would have stood out a little bit more. But yeah, I mean, at the time, if you think about it, Mr. Roper, <laughs> you know, was pretty, pretty well known. Yeah, that's true. So, but apparently he was going through some depression, through some fucking heavy fucking divorce he was going through or something like that. And uh, so he said that they he struggled on the set and uh, didn't know his lines too well because he didn't have time to look it up because they were, you know, desperate to have somebody on. So I don't think he st his character stood out as much as any of the other movies or TV shows he was in. So no old fella, those old fellas, they're so much. <laughs> Fun. Now we can kind of jump into some of the spoiler thoughts. I mean, first of all, did you hear fucking when Ned uh, uh, Nelson Jersey, he was like, you're, uh, you know, I don't ever judge you for being into that psych psychometry. Yeah. What, <laughs> what is like, that? I don't know. He called it. He said psyche psychometry, psychometry. That's what he said. Psychometry. <laughs> Psych <laughs> I'm like, that's a made up word. Just a little bit. I'm sure it was supposed to be put in there for some like jokes or something like that but you didn't hear you did hear him say that oh yeah okay. he definitely he definitely said something that's not real did you get that's also did you get the vibe in the very beginning of the movie when they started it up did you get like a nightmare on elm street vibe with yes. some of the music yes like, only in the beginning though just just the piano parts like it was almost yeah. like they were trying to borrow from it and do you think someone would be able to breathe the way she was sleeping under all that crap? <laughs> well, I, you know, I was talking to Christina about that because that scene where she pops up out of the fucking clothes or whatever. No, she wouldn't. But maybe she's wearing those clothes because the voices in her psychic head 
She's trying to like hide from them. I oh yeah, maybe. I thought she was hiding from something, but like <laughs> that was just weird. Yeah, that was kind of a weird part. You kind of wonder get... what the hell's happening at that moment. You're like, what the hell? Yeah, because well, I had no idea what this movie was about. So she starts smacking him with a pillow. I'm like, what kind of monster smacks people with a pillow? <laughs> Actually, I thought she was gonna be a zombie or something at first. Well, she's kind of like a hulking beast at that point, too. Like, she's, she just looked like this, like, crazy, I don't know, like, WWE wrestler or some shit. Well, yeah, because that cop makes it downstairs, and then the next shot you really see is, like, up at the stairs. So she just looks like this big monster, and then it's just the person they were looking for. Yeah. And she's pissed when they're there. It's hilarious. Uh, did you, she, like, every time that she was talking, though, like, I'm, it's not that I hated her or anything, but, like, the more and more I think about it, like, how overdramatic she was in all those scenes, like, deep in thought and deep in, in, in pain from all the mental torture, and then she just, like, snaps out of it all of a sudden. She's back to work. Yeah, there was, a lot of the progression of the characters in so many different ways wasn't portrayed very well. Like we said, the relationships go quickly. Everything just moves along, just, it there's wasn't no Edited right either maybe that's what it was it just wasn't edited right yes like like we said the beginning was really slow but they could have utilized it a lot better yeah especially with her character i i didn't her character didn't pull me into the movie especially since she becomes the protagonist by the end yeah she didn't yeah. seem like a protagonist until the very end well and the camaraderie between her and jersey should have been so much better it just wasn't delivered yeah, it didn't Until, like it, it was weird. Yeah, it was very awkward. <laughs> but apparently on the set, they said that they had issues with each other. Oh, so maybe that was it. They had issues because uh, it was the day that fucking Ed Nelson was supposed to go home. <laughs> he was he had a flight that he had to get on or some shit like that. I don't know. And uh, they were and, we, and and she was like, hey, hold on. I'm, I, I've got to I've got to take some more time with this scene. I got to go. Uh, you know, focus on the method acting. He's like, I know fucking method acting, and this is not method acting. <laughs> <laughs> so they didn't. So maybe that you was you do why. the scene and you do it now. <laughs> uh, Norman fell too. Did you notice that part where he's like undraping the kids and he's like, here, check them out. He was making some like really off color jokes about dead kids. <laughs> oh yeah, that whole scene was just like. Urgh. <laughs> it's kind of funny though. I mean it's oh, funny hilarious. but it was like whoa like the times they are a changing you know? oh like, yeah for sure that would not be in a movie today yeah I don't remember exactly what he said do you remember what he said at that point no it was pretty much a lot of dead baby jokes yeah it was like he was like making jokes and talking about other shit but you know they, that's the whole thing I have this whole thing guys by the way I've mentioned it on other episodes but I have this whole called what I call corpse sandwich mentality which is where movies show people eating sandwiches over dead bodies to show how desensitized they are to the situation and death. But it's like highly disrespectful. <laughs> and like, there's so many movies I'm, I'm copying. I write them all down every time I see it. But I think it's like from that same sort of thing. I've, I've always noticed that, but never talked about it before. <laughs> I just started <laughs> noticing it from a lot of 80s movies. And I was like, I got to write all these down. And I'm gonna no, make it's true. Every, every time you see someone working alone in, in a morgue, they're usually eating something. Yeah. Especially a sandwich in the old movies. It was in Night of the Creeps. Uh, it was in uh, 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 Street Trash. They did it. Um, there's quite a few. I'm going to make a list of it, though. <laughs> and it's always just like an open face sandwich, too, that they're just like slopping around and holding. They're not like... 
they'll holding set it, it with both hands. Or... Sometimes they'll set it on top of the fucking bodies and shit. Like, <laughs> and it's like, come on. All right. We get it. They're desensitized. Oh, uh, that, that's good. We talked about this previously, but there was a love scene in the elevator where they step over the, the melty dead kid in her bare feet or whatever. She's like in on top. They get on top of the elevator. She's got, yeah. she steps through the, the, dead ghoul kids mush and then like gets pulled up through the elevator shaft and they have this weird fucking heart to heart like what the fuck yeah because that's when he he brings up her trying to commit suicide and she gets all pissed at him right right yeah and then just all of a sudden she's like but i feel safe here with you and he's like why would you ever want to do that and she was like well because i was feeling bad i don't know why and he's like yeah but you're so beautiful (laughs) (laughs) this is a girl that like died people thought she was dead she got taken to the coroner's office because she they thought because it's a suicide so they thought you know well we got to you know investigate this make sure everything and then she they try to cut into her neck and she's still alive and that's how like a dead girl who tried to commit suicide who's still alive is like talking to a guy in an elevator shaft about love Over the corpse of a dead zombie child. Yeah, like this is inappropriate time to be having a heart to heart. That he literally just blew to hell with a giant gun. A cartoonish gun, too. It had some weird, like, cooling thing around the fucking barrel. Like, I don't even know. I'm pretty sure a lot of the money in the movie went into making that gun. (laughs) It was almost like a, a chain gun, but like, I don't know. Yeah, it was definitely a gun I had never seen before, but it was pretty badass, too. (laughs) There was also, did you see that scene when uh, Jersey's dying and Allie's telling this sad story? She's like being selfish, I guess. And then uh, I thought they were going to, that was the moment where I thought they were going to kiss. He was like, come here. Yeah. (laughs) And And then like he's all bleeding out of the mouth and she's like telling this stupid story, this sad, sappy story. And he's like, and then she's like, she looks over and he's got blood coming out of his mouth. She's like, oh, my God. (laughs) Maybe I should shut up and pay attention. Yeah. Oh, shit. Maybe I shouldn't tell him this. He's dying from my story. That's the way I took it. You know, (laughs) that was another thing about the editing. A lot of stuff was like reaction wise was off. Right. Like something would happen and then it would go on for a few seconds and then it would look at something or somebody and they would react or be surprised. And it's like if you're being surprised, it should cut to you a lot quicker. Well, you know what? You know what it might be, though? I mean, obviously, it's the editing, but they probably didn't have enough footage. So they had to stretch every scene out. That could be it, too. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to just go, eh, bad editor. And then it, it, it's some guy who's like, fuck, man, they handed me this fucking 30-minute <laughs> goddamn movie, and I got to turn it into an hour and a half. <laughs> it's it's true. You, you don't, you never truly know whose fault it is, but some scenes just do feel stretched out to the point where whatever just happened, I'm over it. Right. But why is this, why is this person reacting now? When I already reacted to it 10 seconds ago. <laughs> you know, I, and 10 I, seconds doesn't sound like a long time, but during movie time. Oh, yeah, it's it way is. long. Well, that's the scenes with Allie in particular. They always were long and drawn out and she's so sad and this. Yeah. It's like she was in the editing room and she was like, okay, I really went into my character actor mode. Can you draw this out? Because I make this really great dramatic face. <laughs> For 10 seconds for no reason. Like the part when she's on, she's having the dream and this part could have been so much more powerful because it was actually really sad. She goes on the porch and she sees the dead girl right? and she backs, she backs away and she puts her head down and then the girl's just hugging her. 
her reactions in that are just so drawn out. Yeah. And it's just like, holy crap, this could have so much more effect until the very end when you're just like, aw, and it like pulls out and the girl's just like hugging her. That was really sad. But it was like, that's such a powerful ending. Stop focusing on her so much. So it's not the editor's fault. It's kind of like when you're, you know, you're in a band, you've done music and shit like that. When you're on stage, the band always gets blamed for the audio, even though it's the fucking sound guy's fault or vice versa sometimes. It's true. It's true. <laughs> it really could be anyone. So if the editor is listening now, we still we appreciate what you did. OK, because <laughs> it, it could just be the, the overacting too, and the dramatic. Oh, man. Like her face. She she just tries to do everything. Like if you were to compile something of just the, the faces she makes throughout this movie, it would be like somebody's acting clip that they would send studios. I can be sad. I can be mad. Well, technically, that would have been her only clip. So. That's true. It was, either, it was either like sad or like longing or like thinking really deep. Yeah. Tortured soul. Or thinking about kissing the old guy and then not. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's jump into uh, some of our standout scenes, ones that stuck out to you. Just pick a few or so here. I, I wrote a bunch down just in case you, you mention any of them. But do you have any scenes? Uh, my first one would be the one I mentioned when she goes on the porch. Oh, Okay. Although, before we get into this, let let me just ask the one question I wanted to know. What exactly was with the zombies? Um, What was was the ritual? The ritual was that kids died and the parents wanted to bring them back to life because they died. But But what was the the whole thing about the generations being haunted or something or cursed? Well, they were because once they brought them into this world, they were unstoppable and they had to feed in order to live. So the the parents couldn't handle them. So the family had to pass down it through generations to take care of them because they couldn't die, I guess. But I don't know why they didn't just shoot them in the fucking head anyway. But maybe they had too much respect for them because they were kids. I, I don't know. It is weird. It is weird. It doesn't really fully explain it. Well, it's like one of those movies is that trope where they, you know, you bring something back that's not them, like Pet Cemetery, essentially. Yeah, because then even the Asian guy from the Vision, he ends up at the morgue, right? Yeah, because he kills himself. He shot himself in the head. Yeah, I thought there was going to be something to do, something more with that when he showed up. He was like, uh, I think it was like he was like the fifth generation of family taking care of these things like over the years. And like, well, I almost thought he was going to become a monster or something at, at some point. Like maybe the kids were going to find him. Yeah. Well, and how they transmit it, like how the fuck, what, I don't even understand that. Like their flesh becomes some sort of tainted evil that if you get it in your bloodstream, you turn into it. Like, I don't know. Well, yeah, because the only thing we see is that people ingest it. Yeah, I guess you're right. And it was so gross when they 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 just rip off their skin and just right. shove it in her mouth. That was a I'm going to say that's one of my favorite parts right there. <laughs> that that was probably one of the nastiest parts. I agree. I think that was a good part cuz like and if you guys haven't seen it, 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 one of the ghouls, one of the creepy kid dead kids like rips on cuz like they, they don't have eyes either. They're so Yeah, it almost looks like that. Yeah. It looks like that mixed with a zombie that, like, maybe lost his eyes or something. Well, it is, like, some sort of Chinese culture. So wasn't there, like, vampires back in the day where they had their eyes sewn shut and their mouths sewn shut and they would, like, hop around and stuff? Have you ever seen those movies? Yeah, and I think they they even mentioned at one point in this something about them being sort of vampire-like. That's got to be what it is. It's probably borrowed from there, but, like, bastardized by the fucking U.S., you know, creative people, Cause, I guess. Because they even figure out that you don't shoot them in the head. You have to, like, destroy their hearts. Ah. I, think that, I, I think that was the scene when they 
they mention vampires. Okay. I, well, That's why they have to blow them up with a, a made-up gun that looks like it's right out of doom. <laughs> it's pretty ridiculous. They find it in the uh, office. Why would the coroner's office have all that stuff? I, <laughs> I don't really understand that either. I didn't even think of that. <laughs> like, it's not the police station. They usually take those pieces separately. But I guess if they're doing an investigation, I don't know. But Yeah, because it's not like it was the coroner's office in a police station. It was just a coroner's office that gets delivered bodies. Yeah. See, that's weird. They get delivered the bodies. Well, yeah, only so because they have any time there's a crime. But why would the evidence go there as well? See, that is that is kind of weird. They just yeah. needed the gun. They, they probably, basically yeah, just needed the gun. They needed a reason for there to be a gun there. <laughs> the BFG. It's one of those like moments in the movies, guys, where they go, yeah, they had to move it here because they didn't have any room at the police station. Like, <laughs> uh, okay. Because <laughs> that's, that's what they would move. Here, but, take all the drugs and weaponry and... Put in a morgue. <laughs> That's where Poopin Platts, she gets her, she gets, it looks, I think it, because the kid had like a caved in part of her head and it's like this struggle gets under this like fucking shelf or something like that. And Poopin Platts gets brains put in her mouth or something. It's just this gooey fucking, you know, wacky double dare fucking goo shit that they put in her mouth. And the noises coming out of her mouth were so fucking weird. This is what I was talking about earlier. <laughs> I genuinely thought that, that that was coming from the creature, but it was actually from Phyllis Diller. <laughs> and, it, and it was so gurgly. I'm pretty sure she had like a blood capsule in her mouth or something that she bit into. Because <laughs> she starts bleeding from the mouth at one point. Oh, it but looks yeah, weird. It was, some, it was some strange noises. And then... She was funny and everything, but her puking acting was really bad. Yeah. She's, she's just like, so what do I do in this scene? Just lean over that sink until we need you again. <laughs> just, just, just pretend to puke. She's there for quite a while. <laughs> and I thought she was going to change there, but she still doesn't change for quite some time. Yeah, they wanted to make it a surprise. So when Poop and Platts, she turns in, that's one of my favorite scenes, is when Poop and Platts turns into a monster. I thought it was fucking dope. I was like, her, her she has like the same mechanics uh, as like Gremlins and also the movie Freaked, which. Yes, thank which, you. Which the, the eyes look exactly like the creatures yes. from uh, Freaked, but he worked on it. That makes so much sense. Cause I was going to say it looks very much like Rat Fink. Yes. Yeah. That rat, his eyes are always popping out. But right. thank you. Freaked. Yeah. That's what I thought of immediately. And then when I did the research and I found out that fucking Bill Corso actually worked on the movie Freaked. That makes so much sense. Yeah. I was like, oh, okay. But it kind of reminded me of like Gremlins or that because of the eyes moving. It was like animatronics and shit. Because that's what happens to Alex Winter's character. He just turns into like a, a monster that looks like him right right yeah it looks yeah. like her even yeah that's what i mean he, yeah. that he does a good job of making those monsters that's cool it's pretty fucking ridiculous but it's also kind of awesome at the same time like that they went that far you know what i mean like and yeah, why could, why did they turn into these huge monsters why didn't all the other creatures why didn't the ghouls turn into those like why are they other only the people ingesting their flesh turning into fucking these creatures yeah it's completely opposite from the little creepy zombie kids that are running around ripping body parts open and feasting on flesh and then all of a sudden you have this big garbage pail kid grandma running around <laughs> I know right and then and then I, I I'm sure what's your what's another scene that you want to bring up I don't want to I don't want to cut you off well did you say anything we, we we should go back and forth did you say a scene yeah the uh when she turns into the monster okay when she turns I like when they first encounter the poodle right 
Because that's the scene when one of them laughs. And I think it's, it's the suicide girl, right? Yeah. Or the suicidal girl. <laughs> of all people. Right? Because <laughs> she literally just giggles. Like, it's so hilarious. She's like, ha <laughs> Like, ridiculously loud. And everybody else is acting normal except for her. <laughs> but what do they see and why do they see it? You tell them. Well, basically, the exact same thing as the grandma. Just her pet poodle is now a giant rat fink garbage pail kid monsters floofsums 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 sick them sick them get stuck at the door she has to go open the door for the dog get her yeah dude that shit was so fucking hilarious though like it's it is really comical like apparently the person that did mrs poop and platt's monster as well as the the dog the poodle like monster float demon whatever the fuck it is uh he was a pastor <laughs> for for a church and it had a, like an acting bug he was really tall and really athletic and so they put him in the suit damn <laughs> yeah that was interesting if they made a movie where like a whole town gets turned into creatures like that, I think that would be a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. It's funny too because one of my favorite scenes after that is the is the dog exploding. Um because Allie lights a pipe bomb that she gets in the in the fucking room that we were making fun of that they wouldn't have that at a coroner's office. Uh, and they even though they say at one point that the pipe bombs are supposed to be dead or not detonated, but uh, like turned off. Right. Like the cop says that he's just like, don't touch that. Those are it's, pipe bombs, but it's it's deactivated or whatever. But, you know, just in case. But she lights it anyway, and she she plays fetch with the dog and the dog barks and runs after it, picks it up in Wait. its mouth and it blows up. Which was foreshadowed earlier because the dog doesn't like to leave visitors alone. So Poop and Platts always threw her bone away to right. distract it. Yeah, that's true. I didn't think about that. And But the funny thing is, is when it's a pipe mom, guys, okay? Like, there's going to be an explosion, but the explosion that they have in this fucking movie is, oh my God. is like a crate of fucking dynamite goes off in the whole fucking building. The whole like, doors if, come off. If it was any bigger, it would have been like a damn mushroom cloud. It was so big. I know. It's like, goddamn, pipe bombs are fucking savage. <laughs> That's not it. What? That wasn't the end. Everyone, she was okay. She she survived. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I thought she seriously. I thought she sacrificed herself, and then she started walking out. I was like, "There's no way." Yeah. She's like, she's covered in soot. They and that's that's where they all hug at the end, and I was like, "Is this like orgy time?" <laughs> Did you see after the credits? By the way, no. Oh, you didn't see that. Oh no. The psychic chick Allie was riding the shit out of Jersey. Oh, she, shut up. And she has bubbles on her back. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, thanks. <laughs> That's a great visual. I knew I knew you were kidding, like, after the second word. Yeah, I fucked it up. I fucked it up because <laughs> I tried to say that, like, an orgy was about to happen. How about that song in the credits? Holy shit. I believe love forever takes a brave heart. It's like, yeah, did we, did we miss a theme in this movie? I don't know. Like, there's all these relationships going on, and then it ends with this love song. Yeah, it made no sense. I'm like, I didn't believe that there was any relationship. It was the most weird, like, they go to kiss, but they don't. It was supposed to be this moment, but it was either, like, maybe he didn't want to kiss her, or she didn't want to kiss him, or I don't know. And then you had the other relationship with the other cop and the suicidal girl that just <laughs> seems like they're freaking in love and going to get married as soon as they walk away from the... The exploded building. Right. I think the lesson here, guys, is that you can find love anywhere at any moment. <laughs> Even if there's a dead ghoul on the ground and you tried to, you woke up from being dead and had a cut on your neck that would have killed you anyway, 
And you met a cop who was shooting a cartoonish kind of gun. It's, it's, love is just around the corner, folks. And a psychic whose psychic skills <laughs> don't help whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, you really. They they could they could have made her another cop that was retired because she had been working with too many like child murder cases. Because every time she visions something, she goes to help, and it's already happening. That's a really good point. I mean, what what the fuck is it matter anyway? And the only thing that she really envisions that made any sense, like to the story, was the the ritual. The, yeah, the Chinese ritual or something. But then the other one that was important was the actual kids coming alive. But then she can't get downstairs. By the time she's there, it's a bloodbath, and they're all hiding in the room. Yeah. <laughs> that that was a good scene though. When you see the three zombie kids, and they're just eating all the dead bodies. Right. It looked like when you see a room full of newborns, except it was just dead bodies, just a room full of dead oh, bodies. I was like, what? <laughs> and then they were just like sprawled out all across the room. It was so random. <laughs> it really was. But when the little creatures look up and you fully see their face for the first time, that I liked that. They were just so creepy looking. <laughs> I was like, ooh, this movie might actually get creepy. And then the poodle came and I was like, oh, it, like, where, yeah. are we, where are we going with this? I don't know what to think. <laughs> well, there is another movie and Brandon did the work on this one. You want to tell him about it? I do. Well, the second movie we did was The Willies, which was released on December 19th, 1990. It is a comedy horror anthology about two brothers and their cousin not knowing what to do while camping. So they decide to try and give each other the willies by telling gross and scary stories. There are two main stories that are told, one about a killer toilet monster at an elementary school and the other about a boy who enjoys catching, collecting, and torturing flies. And whatever else he does. <laughs> I have questions about this one as well, but we will get there. Uh, this was one of those movies where quite a few of the people that kept popping up, you definitely knew them from somewhere. Yes. You didn't always know where they were from. Yeah. But as soon as you read it, you're like, oh, yeah. Because there was a lot of like bit characters in this that only do small parts in a lot of things. But it was written and directed by Brian Peck, who is known for his work on X-Men 2, Forever Strong, and most importantly, playing Scuzz in The Return of the Living Dead. And two of Peck's nice. co-stars from Return of the Living Dead appear in this movie, James Karen as Mr. Jenkins and Uncle Harry, and Clue Gulliger. Yeah. All right, cool. I got That's it. the father, by the way, of the guy who did Feast, the director. Okay. Yeah. He's also the and bartender of that movie as well. God damn, he's just all over the place. Yeah. <laughs> and then we have Samwise Gamgee himself in the form of Sean Astin as Michael. <laughs> and if you've been living under a rock for the last 10 to 15 years, he's been in The Goonies, Encino Man, Lord of the Rings, and most recently Stranger Things Season 2 as Bab or Bob. <laughs> and he doesn't boil, mash, or put anything in <laughs> a stew. Stick him in a stew. <laughs> boil him, mash him, stick him in a stew. I was going to try to incorporate that, but I didn't know if you were going to know what it was. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, uh, so good. Then we also have Kathleen Freeman, who plays a mean old elementary school teacher, Mrs. Titmarch. Some great names in these movies, man. And Kathleen, Kathleen Freeman is from movies such as The Blues Brothers. Gremlins 2, the original Nutty Professor, as well as Nutty Professor 2, which was the one with Eddie, Eddie Murphy. Mm. She was also in The Magnetic Monster, Hocus Pocus, and 1958's The Fly. Nice. So not the one. Yeah, the better one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hate to say it, but. And then Twin Peaks stars Dana Ashbrook and Kimmy Robertson also appear as Tough Dude and Tough Chick, as well as comedian Doug Benson, who is known for his documentary Super High Me, and he plays a zombie. That's... I'm guessing. What? 
I'm guessing, yeah. That's crazy. Didn't know that. Yeah, it's one of his very first roles, apparently, in a movie. The one that has his arm fall off, probably. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. And then special effects were done by Kenny Myers, who would go on to work on films such as 2010's The Crazies, Species, Return of the Living Dead 1 and 2, Back to the Future 2 and 3, Silent Madness, and a lot more. Nice. He had quite the list of movies. And they weren't they jumped around quite a bit. It was it was quite the nice little resume. Yeah, you could do anything. So what did you actually think of this movie? Well, I mean, a lot of what we've talked about is it's it's pretty much a lot what I have to say. I mean, it's it's an anthology movie of spooky kids tales with a couple of urban legends thrown in there in the beginning. Ones that, uh, you know, we might tell each other as kids, you know, stuff that kids do anyway. But it's very akin to me, like Goosebumps or Are You Afraid of the Dark? Only in a movie format, you know, very tongue in cheek stories catered to kids, young teens, plenty of derpy, kind of cool creature effects that kind of it definitely reminds me of Tales from the Dark Side or Monsters TV show, Um, which if you've seen them, you know what kind of creatures to expect. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's pretty, pretty derpy stuff, but still fun nonetheless, you know, Um, and practical effects. So fuck it. Um, I did see, like you said, a lot of familiar faces in this one. One of them that I was like really excited to see, which was James Karen, who just recently passed away just, just a couple weeks ago. So it was a real nice surprise to see him in this movie for it. Uh, you got the, the, the teacher, Mrs. Titmarch, like you said, who was in Gremlins too. And I always remember her because she was like, the tuna noodle casserole. And then the, <laughs> the weird derpy eyed fucking gremlin comes up out of the pot. <laughs> yeah. I was wondering who she was from that. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, dude. That's all I, I always remember her from that. And like you said, Ash, uh, Sean Aston from the Goonies was a big, nice surprise. Uh, Bill Irwin. Yes, um, Dana Ashbrook, who was from Twin Peaks. He played Bobby in the TV show. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, Clue Gallagher was in it for like a hot minute as the principal. I recognized him immediately, but he was like at the very tail end of the first and- uh, story, I guess. Oh, right. Yeah, because he's questioning the janitor about the missing kid. Yeah, I was like, what the hell happened in here? Uh, what the fuck yeah a bunch of kids get shredded to fuck um but uh it's real brief but it's still cool you know that he's in it but i i actually kind of enjoyed rewatching this one because it kind of flows a bit better than the other one and it had a lot of silliness and camp to it so it's kind of like a it's a perfect pre like teenager flick for kids not too much gore but interesting enough to keep you watching if you're older than that i remember watching it when i was younger and thinking like I one of the segments really kind of stuck in my mind in particular uh, was the last one. And and one of the things in the very beginning that I won't spoil for you guys just yet, but it's not a movie I'll pop on every single fucking year, but it's memorable to me. I'm actually a fan of the Monsters TV show and Tales from the Dark Side, which is really ridiculous in a lot of ways. But I think if you can appreciate that, you can definitely appreciate this. So, I don't know. I, I enjoyed it, though. I, I Something I really do want to pick up now, uh, if they ever put it out on Blu-ray. So Yeah, you, I'm pretty much in the exact same boat as you. The first thing I thought of when it was finished was, was this the inspiration for Are You Afraid of the Dark? Right, yeah. It's totally, it must have been. Because even at the beginning, they're trying to, like, light their their lantern. They're in the dark. And, and Are You Afraid of the Dark? They're right. always sitting around a fire. That's true. I didn't think about that. Well, that's what I grew up on. I grew up on Goosebumps and Are You Afraid of the Dark? And and like you said, all the effects in this are 
cheesy and not overly gory. Like you never see the gore. You always see just like a little splash of blood after the fact. Right. So that's what it reminded me of. I just felt like a little 10 year old Brandon sitting on the couch watching Goosebumps or You're Afraid of the Dark. Yeah. It's definitely not a movie I would watch every year, but if I ever had like, I would say if I had kids, but I don't really plan on doing that. But if I had like (laughs) nephews or like little cousins over that were- just random ones you found at the store. (laughs) (laughs) You want to come watch a scary movie? Brandon, you went too far. (laughs) (laughs) Of course, me as a kid, I'd be like, scary movie. Yeah. Would you like to watch some scary movies with Uncle Pee-Pee? But that, <laughs> I took it too far. <laughs> no, well, I don't mean Pee-Pee. Like, God damn it, I don't know. I meant to say Petey, but it came out like, all right. I think what I'm getting to when it comes right down to it, it's a great, probably like introduction horror movie for kids. Yeah, definitely. I agree. Yeah. So I would definitely like rather than my cousins who were like, hey, Brandon, want to watch Nightmare on Elm Street 2 and Child's Play? Yeah. That wouldn't work these days. You'd get in trouble for showing kids movies like that. But this movie, you could definitely get away with showing them. Right. I think so. I, I think- some of the some of the acting was a little bad, but it just added to the cheesiness. Oh, it, it's fully aware that it's bad. Like oh, you, yeah. you can tell. Like they 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 were trying to make a, a kids comedy sort of thing. Oh, and there's a great mullet. It's definitely an early '90s movie. Are you talking about the bully? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I used to I used to be the kid that got pushed over, and there's a savage part for that kid's get back later on. We'll talk about. Yeah. There aren't, like I said earlier, there aren't, there aren't a lot of random facts for this movie, but one of the random facts I really liked was that Sean Astin's character's name is Michael, which is the same as his character in The Goonies. Oh, I wonder if that they, was intentional. I think it was because at one point in the movie before, I don't know if it's at the beginning or before the second story, but it's one of the parts when they're in the tent. He says, I'll tell you a story. So it must be at the beginning. Michael says, I'll tell you a story that's really scary. And one of the brothers says something like, oh, but you better not tell us that pirate story again or something. Oh, yeah. Okay. Totally is. Yeah. There's there's just so much fan service in this movie. It feels like everybody came together like they were all friends. It's so weird. Well, it's even weirder because I think this was 1990, right? I said, mm-hmm. yeah, the Goonies came out like right before this. So it was pretty funny that they're already picking from that movie to call back on it because that's what Stranger Things does, too. No one likes to call back any of his other movies. It's always the Goonies. Well, you think about this, you think of the movies like Return of the Living Dead with Brian Peck directing it and you go, well, that kind of makes sense. You know what I mean? Like. That's true. You know, that's such a like family movie. That's like they they know each other from that. So it's like that's why there's Clue. That's why there's James Karen, you know. So, yeah. And the story about the toilet monsters, I like to call it, was actually a short film that was made by Brian Peck in 1985. (coughs) So, yeah, that story about the monster in the bathroom was actually a short film that was made by the director and writer Brian Peck five years earlier in 1985, while the rest of the movie was written in 1990. Nice. Yeah, I had no idea. And you can, which is, it's kind of funny that we mentioned Weird Science earlier, or Danny Elfman at least, because right. you can see a Weird Science poster on the wall of Belcher's bedroom when he's taking the flies off the fly strip in his bedroom, and Michael Bauer had a guest spot on the Weird Science TV show. 
Oh, wow. I noticed that. Like, even we were talking about Clue Gallagher in the other. He was supposed to be the character from The Boneyard. He was supposed to play the, the detective, Jersey. Mm-hmm. And then we talking, he's in this movie. So it, it always happens like that on this show. I don't know why. Oh, me too. We, we pull random movies from the Almighty Master list, and there will be, like, little key things that will connect them. And it's like, we weren't supposed to have a theme this month. <laughs> Yeah, because Michael Bauer, who plays uh, Gordy Belcher, yeah, yeah, he did a lot of TV shows. Right, more show, more TV. He did a few movies, but he he did tons of TV shows. And I actually recognized him, and it's so random that I did because he's in one episode of Friends for a split second. That is weird. Yeah, and I just recognized his face. It was so weird because it was one of those flashback episodes where they're going to prom, and he's just one of the prom dates. You know, it's funny. At first, I thought he was the kid in the movie The Curse. He was the brother mm. who gets infected with the dad. Like, the, if you guys have never seen that, there's a movie where this kid like works on a farm with his his shitty ass brother and his shitty ass dad and his shitty ass mom who just shit all over him all the fucking time. But it looked like that kid, and then I looked it up and I was like, oh, that's the guy from the movie Evolution. Yeah, that was another one. He was yeah, in. I was like, oh, okay, I know who he is. And that is actually all the random facts I have for the movie. I was kind of disappointed there weren't, I couldn't find any like production notes or stories on set. I kind of figured that was going to be a harder one to find. I mean, even the Boneyard is not easy. Like, Yeah, but with all these companies that are putting out Steelbook Blu-rays, this would be a great one to put out. Yeah, it's it's one of those movies. Like I said, it, it could, if you're a horror movie loving family, this could definitely bring you together with like your young kids that you don't want to show those full on horror movies to yet. Yeah, it's almost slapsticky how funny they are. And we're going to get into spoiler territory now, guys. So just just buck, buckle the fuck up. If you're not wanting to hear this, you might want to tune out. But if not, it's I think it's enjoyable either way. Um there was one scene where the um, the the Bauer kid that you were talking about, I just can't think of Billy Billy Felcher or whatever the fuck his name is. Gordy Belcher. Gordy Belcher, that's right. Gordy Belcher was like up in the window and he was like pulled the the flies off of the fly paper. Mm-hmm. And then he's like talking to them. He's like, because his mom threw all his shit out, right? There was a boom mic in the fucking window, in the fucking reflection <laughs> of the window when they pulled it. The, they did this cool <laughs> shot where the, the, they brought the camera in through the window and then pulled out of the window. And it was a cool shot, but you could see the boom mic in the fucking shot. And <laughs> you could see the guy like, oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best part. <laughs> Like he's just, you could just see the mic go. He, he like he didn't want to do it too fast, so it would be recognizable or something. I don't know. But I he's totally trying to saw be it. professional about it. Yeah, that guy got fired. By the way, spoiler alert. <laughs> oh, that's awesome! It's one thing to see the boom mic, but it's another thing to see the reaction of oh. <laughs> well, I didn't see the guy, and it just the you could just tell by the movement of the mic, like what the guy was thinking, because he's yeah. like, "Oh shit, it's in the shot," and then he's like, "Oh, too fast, slowly pull it away." And that's usually what happens when you see a boom mic. It usually like just darts out of the screen, where it's like, "Oh, now I noticed it." <laughs> like sometimes I, you don't even notice it until it moves out of the way. I, oh, that's funny. That scene had to take a lot of orchestration. So there's probably a story about that whole fucking thing somewhere. So if we ever, if you ever see Brian Peck out at a at a fucking uh, convention uh, for Scuzz as uh, Return of the Living Dead or something, 
you should definitely ask him. Do it right now. Yeah. The one thing that bothered me about that scene where he goes into his room and everything's missing. Now, she took the flies off the plate. Why didn't she take the plate? Oh. I don't know. I know it's something little, but it was just weird. <laughs> I didn't notice that, actually. Are you talking about out of his room, like off the windowsill? Yeah, because I guess he had a plate with like sugar water or something to distract her. Yeah, to what get the fuck come. was that all about anyway? What was he? He, he was taking soil and then like putting it under yeah, yeah. A That's jar? my other question. Yeah, what was that? I don't know, because, like, I guess the flies find the dirt, and then they lay their eggs in it, and then it just, like, they, they, they get old, and then they try to fly up, and then they get caught in this little funnel, and they can't climb back down in the hole, I guess, and so they get caught in the jar. I was like, what the fuck is this? I've never even heard of people trying to catch flies like this, but I guess, you know, he watches all these documentaries about how to catch them and shit on TV, so. And what, did he, did he ever use the nail polish remover? Uh, yeah, he put it on uh, paper towel. Oh, right. What was that for? I don't know. I think it's to make them, like, conk out so they don't fly away or something like that, so they're all fucked up. I, I have no idea. Yeah, that was really weird. So at first I was like, is he going to go home and make a bomb out of manure? And <laughs> I wouldn't put it past that little fuck. <laughs> well, it's kids telling, like, scary stories, right? So I'm like, maybe he blows a bunch of people up or something, and then this fly stuff happens. I'm just like, okay, wait, what's going on? Well, and Gordy's like this shitty kid, guys, that... Just like he's one of those kids that doesn't have a lot of friends. So he's like trying to impact the world or get some sort of attention by being a fucking troublemaker. But he's like the worst kind. Like, you know, it's one thing to want to get attention. <laughs> he, This kid just doesn't learn at all. And he just is mean spirited. And he, he basically gets what he deserves by the end of the movie. It's a, it's a, but it's unfortunately, you can see that it's kind of his parents fault because they mentioned that he's been doing it for a really long time. And they just haven't done anything about it. If you're if your kids catching flies like as a hobby and ri- like torturing them and ripping their wings off, I think you gotta make him find a new hobby. Well, I gotta look at this. I'm just looking this up. Flies are attracted to nail polish. Oh, so maybe that's what he was catching them with. Oh wait, here, hold on a second. Oh, they use the nail polish to preserve them. Okay. I don't understand, but I'm looking yeah, at it. So was he killing some and then? keeping some to grow and then like well, I didn't even know what his end game was. Well, apparently they use it in when they do fly fishing. So they'll put like a fly in it. Okay. I don't know because it keeps the water off of it or something. I don't know. It's weird. Yeah, but it is weird. He makes a whole fucking little fucking a fucking circus, like a flea circus like thing of flies. He even has a fucking fly as Jesus Christ on the fucking wall. Yeah. And a pastor or some shit, some preacher fucking like a fly on top of the podium and shit. And I was like, what the fuck is this all about? Yeah, your parents, you, you, if your kid's doing this, get on that. That's not right. <laughs> well, at least it was flies and not fucking like rabbits and cats and shit. Not yet. <laughs> That's the gateway drug, kids. <laughs> flies. <laughs> if you find your kids tying up fucking flies and sticking them to the fucking cross like Jesus fucking fly Christ. But make sure you're not buying that crazy soil. <laughs> uh, we should talk about the first uh, one of the we, we should talk about um, some of the, the first scenes. story. Yeah. Um, well, the f- well, actually, technically, the first stories were like, what, two minutes long? Yes. And that is one of the things that always sticks in my head, dude, is the fucking there's the urban legend of a woman who bites into a deep fried rat. That was nasty. That reminded me of the that reminded me of the TV show 
I think it's just called Scary Stories. Is it? But it's the one that opens up with a tapeworm and a, I think he's a beetle, and they're just talking in a diner, and he starts his stories every episode with, so this happened to a friend of a friend of mine. Oh, okay. And like one episode was about a girl in high school who had a beehive hairdo who was always hairspraying it, and then she started getting all these headaches and stuff, and it turns out there was actually bees in it. So that that rat story was just like a live action episode of that. So I was just like, I'm in. I think I remember hearing something about that. Like, like it's kind of like the like dog in the microwave story. Yeah. That was in another movie, too. Then I can't remember which one that was in where they pop a dog in the microwave and she tries to dry it off in the very beginning. <laughs> and I And I think it's... I can't remember. It's one of those anthologies like this, and I just can't remember what it is. But that scene where she bites into the rat. Ooh. Ah! Oh, I know. I was like, ew, and it was all like, it wasn't even like skin, and she was like, mmm, and it's like all fleshy and fucking rubbery and like, I don't know, it just made me, and and, and the kid, the funny thing is, is that kid, he says, he's like, did she chuck? And he was like, I don't know, but I would say it's pretty safe to say she got the urge to regurge. (laughs) Oh my God. All right, Sean Astin, calm your fucking potato fucking fingers down. Are you gonna boil him, smash him, stick him in a fucking stew, you dildo? Oh man! <laughs> Sorry, feel like a teenager again. Boil him, mash him, stick him in a stew. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> would have made more sense if it was uh, Miss Tit Titmash or something. I don't know. Fuck, Miss Titmash, Miss Titmash. What a, before that, we have we have the story with the old man on the carnival ride who's just getting scared shitless. And that's Bill Irwin, and he was perfect for that part. Yeah, you know, that seems like a real story. Yeah, I think I've heard that one before, too. I'm sure it's happened a few times at carnivals. I think it's just one of those things where kids, you know, they like, oh, I heard it was so scary. And, like, if you think (laughs) about it now compared to, like, then, like, like haunts and shit like that, like, that's a fucking joke, dude. (laughs) You know what I I mean? right? So scary, it killed Mr. Erwin. (laughs) Yeah, today, now you have to sign waivers and shit, because they, like, abuse you in some of the haunted houses. Right, yeah. Now they can touch you and shit and drive you crazy and call you names and shit. (laughs) But yeah, Bill Irwin, just the way he reacts to all of it, and, like, he keeps sitting in the chair when he could easily just get up and run, like... Yeah, what the fuck was that chair? Were they just pushing him around on a fucking eggshell chair? It was probably just on a rope. It was probably just like a computer desk chair and they were just pulling him along. Well, there's like one point where he's like moving and they're trying to make it seem like he's on a track and like he's just rocking it. Like you could tell that he's like (laughs) intentionally rocking it. And I was like, what are they doing here? (laughs) Uh, The wheels are stuck, Mr. Irwin. Can you uh, rock with us, please? (laughs) Just a little more. Okay, thank you. His hemorrhoid pillow was just uncomfortable at that moment. <laughs> but yeah, he he was great. He's he's just got those. He almost looks like a comic book character because he's got the beady eyes and the big mustache that always just kind of comes down. Yeah, I love him. He's good. Yeah, he's been a lot of stuff. He's always the grumpy old man. Like the one thing that always stands out in my mind is Home Alone when he his wife is trying to buy stuff from Kevin's mom and he comes up and he's kind of the grumpy old man there. What's she's he- already got she's already got two pairs of earrings and enough pairs of shoes. She doesn't need anything else. I'm trying to think what else would uh, th- that I remember him in. I do remember him in planes and trains and automobiles. That's the other one. Yeah. That's probably why he was in Home Alone. Because those be right. people were all and John Dennis Candy the Menace, apparently. But oh, was, was in the first one? Yeah, the, he played Edward Little. Oh, 
what other scene uh, do you think we should talk about next? Uh, we got the 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 uh, bathroom monster. We kind of talked about a little bit. Yeah, I keep calling him the toilet monster only because he was in the toilet when we first meet him. But it's actually the janitor of the school, and he's kind of like a superhero monster. He just kills bullies. Yeah, James Karen and doing that. I like his character so much. I was like, oh man, I wish I I remember my custodian was so cool to me when I was in elementary school. He'd give me free milk and shit. I was like. I bet you that was James Karen. <laughs> and, and right away when he comes on screen, he's just got like his ear buttoned in and he's like singing to like some jazz music. And you're like, I like this guy. Yeah. But then he sees the kid. The kid gets bullied and he's hung up by like a rafter with a fire hose. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, how, how do you do that? <laughs> And the poor, like, I love when people find kids who are being, like, strung up somewhere or tied up, and they just kind of stand there for a second, and they're just like, well, that's a sight for sore eyes. How did yeah. you get up there? It's like, let the poor kid down. <laughs> <laughs> I love when uh, Mrs. Titmarsh March is uh, hitting the monster in the bathroom in the face with the book. <laughs> it was so ridiculous. Then she gets sucked into the ventilation, you know, like by the creature so slowly. So fucking cheesy. <laughs> and I loved how the monster's just coming down behind her. Right. And he's just making all this noise and she doesn't notice it yet. <laughs> like, what the fuck? So good. The, the monster was pretty decent looking. I mean, it's silly. It's on the cover of the fucking, uh, the cover of the movie. I thought the actual skin of the janitor looked pretty damn good for practical effects. Right. Yeah, that and was, I almost that was I pretty almost good. After, I almost thought after the monster killed the teacher that it was going to start wearing her skin. I almost thought it was going to be like one of those chameleon type monsters that hop around from body to body. But no, it's just a janitor that hops around from school to school and kills all the bullies and then leaves. Yeah, when he doesn't wear his mask, when he wears his human mask, he's uh, an, an audible, understanding creature that doesn't speak English or anything. He just growls and hisses and shit. Right. Uh, which is funny, too, because, like, Danny, the little kid that 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 um, he was standing up for, and then he finds out he's a monster, Danny lures all the bullies into the fucking uh, bathroom. Like, not intentionally, but, like, just to prove that this monster exists and then when they get in there he fucking kicks over the fucking water fountain in front of the bathroom door i was like god damn danny you're a fucking savage murderer yeah that was intense and he <laughs> just stands there and listens yeah and he's not even smiling he's just standing there like like what did i just do as they're getting shredded by the fucking custodian monster i was actually thinking that when that part ended i was like well that kid's gonna be a serial killer <laughs> i know sorry yeah. that kid already is a serial killer how many kills does it have to be for a serial killer? Because that's three right there. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty funny, dude. And he is—he does look like a, a Dahmer or something. He has the big glasses and the nerdy outfit on. Right. Yeah, he's, yeah. A, he's a serial killer. But yeah, then we see the scene. It just ends with him at another school, and the, the principal's like, "Have you seen this kid?" And he almost like freaks out, and he's like, "Your kid? It's he's mean." <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. He's like, he's a bad apple, ma'am. <laughs> That's it, yeah. And he's just like, someone needs to teach him a lesson. And the, the principal's right, that's, like, that's don't enough. freak her out. She's already <laughs> worried about her dead kid, and I don't want to get sued here. <laughs> then we get to the other story after that, obviously, which is the um, Gordy Belcher with the flies thing. But he has this, like, vision in the movie that I, it sticks out to me for some reason was the... That was a weird Yeah, he's like, he's like three waking dreams or some shit, and it's, like, really confusing. But in one of them... He's got like the TV shows that are talking about him. And I can't remember. Kirk Cameron. Is that what his name is? 
Yeah, I believe so. I'm pretty sure it's Kirk Cameron was in that show, Growing Pains. It was like him and Growing Pains in the movie, and they had like a small cameo from Kirk Cameron from Growing Pains, which I thought was really weird. Well, it was weird because they were actually like acting out a scene of, I would assume it was supposed to be Growing Pains, yeah, but they then would... they just look at the screen and they're like, you, or whatever he says. They did a good job, actually. I was pretty impressed because I was like, oh, that's I remember that show. What is that show? And I was like, oh, Growing Pains. So. So, but yeah, that he wakes up from the after these TV shows are talking to him. He wakes up and he tries to put his inhaler in his mouth, and oh. all the maggots are in it. And I was like, blah, blah, blah. Blah. no, no. Then, then and then you see them all like flip flapping around with their weird fucking. Yeah, it was gross. And then and then he spits them out, and then he finds a whole bed full of mealworms for some reason in his bed. <laughs> that's not all folks yeah that was that was gross that was funny he wakes up again and then i think that's it right yeah there's something that, else happened yeah it's like kind of it's kind of like saying that it's weird because there's this gardener that is like got this special fucking uh, uh soil that makes things grow and apparently it doesn't just make vegetables grow it actually makes fucking other things grow and and fucking uh it's almost like it's almost like he becomes some sort of fucking freddy krueger kind of soil maker like it doesn't make any sense like why would he be talking to him i don't know it's weird he haunts him or something and i don't even yeah, know like, how the I, f- fucking soil guy would, even knows that the yeah. kid likes flies like why would he just give him the soil i don't i don't get it i was just gonna say that how does he know he likes flies and how does he know he's putting the flies in soil and stuff that, that was really random yeah it was really weird so he must have been like creeping around trying to figure out stuff from his house or something. I don't know. And it was but. so weird. Why does Gordy need his soil in the first place? Like he breaks his fence every time. I don't understand the whole fucking fly catching soil thing at all. And maybe yeah. we're just too, it's too old timey for us. Well, this maybe. is how we used to catch them back in the old days. <laughs> You know, put a little bit of honey and some nail polish on a napkin and uh, some soil under a cup and you'll catch all kinds of things. But it wasn't just that. He was doing like a science experiment and flipping a tin can with the jar. And I don't know. It was weird. (laughs) But he does it again after his parents get rid of all of his stuff. And I love it because the flies actually do grow big. Oh, yeah. It's ridiculous big. They should have made them gooey or something. They just looked a little too funny. They did the cool, like, mouth thing really well. Like, the little, like, weird sucker mouth thing. Yeah, they did. I think because when I think of a fly, I think of, like, the Simpsons episode when they do the parody of the fly. It's Uh, literally, it it always has that slime at the end. That would have been such a nice little touch. Yeah. It would have been been gross because you have the giant bug and then you got the goo and it's just like, ew. And then they, uh, of course, rip off his fucking arms without any screen. Screaming whatsoever, by the way. <laughs> yeah. he, he's so scared, Alex. <laughs> he's so terrified of these goddamn gigantic fucking flies. <laughs> and it's so funny. His parents hear something fall on the floor and they go into his room and you can tell he's wearing a, a fat suit over top of himself so that his arms can be inside and he has the stumps. Yeah, it's kind of weird. Because it's huge. Just like what he's wearing, even at the very end when he's just laying in the the hammock and he has his his hooks his arms you can tell that he's got a like a big fat suit on it's hilarious well and the, I, thought, I don't think it's a it, i don't think it was a fat suit i think they just had his arms tucked under his back and then there was somebody underneath him puppeting his arms or something 
Yeah, it just looked funny. It was, I did, and he I was trying to scratch, though. swat away the flies with his fucking hooks. And I was like, dude, what if that's someone else controlling that? Just like cuts out his eye by accident. You know what I mean? It seems kind of dangerous. <laughs> oh my eye! Oh, all right. We need one more take. My eye, though. I'm sorry, man. We just need one more take. And there's and there's one thing that I gotta mention before uh, is the last one in this whole fucking thing, and then we'll wrap it up. The flies as raisins in the cookies or chocolate chips. I don't know what it was, but I think it was supposed yeah. to be raisins because he put the fake he put dead flies in his mom's raisin jar and she was like you don't think i would see this and then he goes to school sits down with the popular kids they push him away they tell him that you know he's not allowed to sit there and then he gives them the sad sob story about how he knows nobody likes him and the only reason he picks on people and does bad things is because he wants attention and nobody cares about him and then he offers the girls cookies and she eats it and bites into all these flies Mm-mm. Uh, that was so gross. Which is, I was going to be one of the shots, by the way, guys. I was going to try to come up with some weird fucking, uh, fucking shot, I guess. Gordy raisin shot. Raisin shot. Yeah, raisin fly shot. Uh, but I couldn't figure out how to mix, like, uh, pudding and, uh, alcohol necessarily together and i'm <laughs> so, glad you didn't i was thinking about even a cookie shot but i was like wait this is way too elaborate yeah <laughs> you don't want to take it too far you gotta keep it simple <laughs> yeah. and you got to use the awesome name to poop and plats <laughs> so it, let me ask you this now would you say which one of these movies do you think you preferred the most the willies yeah, I would have to go with the Willies too. Yeah, like the like I said, the first movie was entertaining, but it it bounces back and forth like it didn't know what it truly wanted to be. Yeah. This one it was just like these are kind of urban legendy stories that like I love how it ends with the flies ripping off his arms. It's just one of those everything comes back around, bites you in the ass in the end, so oh, so good. And you know what's funny is I I thought the willies was a bad one to pick maybe but i was like oh kind of makes sense i vaguely remember stuff in it and now i actually prefer it over the boneyard even though i still like the boneyard guys so don't i'm not this isn't to say that you shouldn't watch that movie Mm -hmm. i think both the boneyard and the willies are up on youtube if you're anxious to see them uh but you could pick up the boneyard i think for like 15 bucks on blu-ray if you if you have been wanting to get it so and i think there's the nostalgic factor of the willies, like I said, it literally feels like an Are You Afraid of the Dark Goosebumps episode. Yeah, totally. The the monster, the way it ends with the flies pulling his arms off, like just I I, I wouldn't surprise me if the one of the writers from this movie went on to write one of those shows. Like it just feels so familiar. Yeah, I would say, and and also if you're older and you didn't watch those, it would be compared to like monsters or fucking. It's got it's it's very similar and they all worked on stuff like that anyway. So it totally makes sense. Yeah. But yeah. So, uh, guys, uh, thank you guys so much for coming by this week. Uh, I know this is a big one, but I really enjoyed hanging out with Brandon. So thanks for coming on, man. Thanks for having me. This was awesome. Yeah, it was fun to sit down, talk shop with somebody else that likes to talk shop. You know what I mean? And talk the talk. Yeah, walk the fucking walk, you dumb piece of shit. <laughs> I get into character, I lose myself there a little bit. <laughs> no, fuck you, I'm out, peace. <laughs> but, but yeah, man, thank you so much for coming on. By the way, guys, if you don't already, please follow Brandon. Uh, you could, Brandon, on... Uh, 
You could go to the links down below. I'll have his Twitch stream as Red on You podcast. And I don't even know if you still have the Basement Condition episodes up anymore, do you? Uh, they are, but I don't know if they'll be up for much longer. For much longer. So if you do like, uh, if you want to check out some of those before he puts them up, you might want to start downloading them now. So, uh, but yeah, definitely give him a fucking follow and a and a like and on his Twitter and all that other shit, dude. So, but yeah, man, thanks again for coming on, dude. Yeah, anytime. We will be here next week. Uh, I'm not sure who we're going to have on or what we're going to watch just yet because of the transition we're going through while Brittany's working on stuff. So uh, we'll definitely have a guest on next week. So just stick around. We'll be here back on Monday like always. So thanks for coming by, guys. 